0: That's s-j-network.com for more great podcasts and information on those shows, as well as information and ability to contact publicist Steve Joyner for more information. Just go to the website and check out the family. Ladies and gentlemen, until then, enjoy the show. oh we got to talk about the puppy
1: <laughs> okay 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 we're going
0: hey guys Chris stalli here from uh miss entertainment and known for breaking the fourth wall as you see behind me i drew the short straw today so i get the hosting du- duties of coast to coast power hour so let's get the introductions right off off the bat uh first and foremost my right hand man uh my abbot, my costello my uh, Lou to my Ferrigno. I don't know. I'm just adding names.
1: <laughs> Laurel to your Hardy.
0: <laughs> Laurel
1: to my Hardy. <laughs> the, the, <laughs> the not funny one. Mr. Michael
0: Glenmore. Mike, how you doing?
1: Hey, gang. I'm doing pretty good. Um, I'm glad to be he's back. This is to our, your Bob. Yeah. <laughs> this is Scotty Swartz talking in the background. and Sorry, He's a funny guys. guy. No, he's good. He's good. I want to lock your dog. <laughs> the dog's
0: the star of the show yes miss miss elizabeth miss elizabeth up now i got to do a macho man voice (laughs) (laughs) so uh next obviously is a first timer here on on the uh coast to coast power hour uh forgive me i am blanking what your show is uh the title of it i have a few i'm sorry
2: i have two different shows
0: Okay, which one do you which one do you want to promote? You only get one this show. I only get one. Wow! <laughs> I gotta go.
2: No, you get. <laughs> <laughs> so my show is the program, which is an interview show. I interview different sports and celebrity people, uh, singers, actors, uh, different sports stars, and guys coming up in sports. Uh, that's all the Believe Network, and then I have Journey with the Jays, where I work with a bunch of different uh, sportscasters. Uh, It's a more opinionated show, talk about whatever hot topics are going on in sports right now. Uh, That shows video and audio, where my show is just audio. Um, And, you know, you can see that anywhere, Zoom, um, YouTube, and all over.
0: Okay, great. And, of course, your name is J.B. Ellis. You know, I didn't get a chance to say your name yet because I was, like, (laughs) blanking on what your, your shows were titled. I'm like... I know I looked it up before we began.
2: Oh, um, <laughs> forgot me already. I see how it is.
0: Um you know what like <laughs> like I told Mike before we started recording, I have been sitting in front of this computer since I woke up today. I am tired.
3: It's okay. But you injured. woke up at 4:30.
0: <laughs> and I've been here since 4:30. 9:30 <laughs> my time. Uh but last but certainly not least, the special guest of the day I'm proud to bring him on. I've had the chance and the opportunity to sit down and talk with this gentleman before. Uh, I was supposed to meet him at a meet and greet in Philadelphia and unfortunately I was unable to attend which I felt terrible with. But uh, this, this gentleman, there's not a nicer guy on the planet and anybody who could talk about children movies would be this man since he was one of them classic children's movies. Ladies and gentlemen, Flick himself, Flick lives. Scotty Schwartz.
3: Hi, gang. Again.
0: <laughs> Hi, again. <laughs> All right, so first and foremost, like, uh, like, we'll dive in a little more. I'll let Michael uh, start us off here. Talk a little bit about your, your individual podcast. Uh, I want get, to get people who are listening to this, uh, this uh, Power Hour a chance to get to know you guys and your individual shows and where they can find them shows before we really get into the conversation topic at hand.
1: Sure. Um, I have two podcasts that I do. The first one is In a City Like Yours, which is a true storytelling podcast where I ask my guests to come on and tell a story of something that's happened in their life that has changed them in some significant way. Uh, I've said that so many times, I've got it down pat. Uh, But anyway, that's my show for uh, In a City Like Yours. And the other one is called Scott H. Silverman's Happy Hour, where I work, I'm a co-host with Scott Silverman, who is a addiction recovery expert. And we talk about, uh, things in the addiction recovery world and so forth. And uh, both of them are found on all popular podcast platforms and um, soon to be Scott H Silverman's happy hour will soon to be on uh, YouTube coming out this first of the September. So I'm looking forward to that.
2: All right. And Mr. JB. Yes. So um, I do the program, which is my show, uh, interview based um, audio. It's on the Believe Network. I've had some, uh, Andre Dawson, who's a Hall of Famer, Uh, Scoop Scoop Jackson, who's a a big-time reporter on ESPN, Um, some up-and-coming players that were in the NFL draft, Um, you know, some actors and uh, singers, you know, it's a lot of fun, and then, of course, Journey with the Jays, which is the opinionated sports show all over, Um, and that's on YouTube as well as um, uh, audio as well.
0: Well, you know, i got to ask, as a Philadelphia fan, have you had anybody important, you know, like Philadelphia players?
2: Larry Boa. There you go. Great that's, guy. He was really nice.
0: <laughs> that is truly important. And, of yeah, course, yeah. Uh, Mr. Scotty Schwartz, I know you don't necessarily do podcasts, but uh, anything in particular going on in your world right now?
3: Uh, uh, well, I mean, I have my, my social media, Scott Schwartz actor, that's the page you go to for the like and all that stuff to follow me. Um, I'm gonna be north of uh, Minneapolis coming up here uh, for uh, they have a car- monthly card show and I'm gonna be doing that and uh, I'm doing the great Spo- Great Smoky Mountain Comic Expo next in, in October in Tennessee. Okay. Um, and uh, after that, I, I know I'm gonna be at Mike Stadium Sports cards in Aurora, Colorado outside of Denver in December. I don't have a date yet, but uh, yeah, I don't have my own podcast. Everybody tells me I should, but I don't. So I let, I let you guys do all that and I just come hang out.
0: You really should. Are you still involved with the uh, independent wrestling scene? Do, uh, have you still been connecting with the uh, wrestling world?
3: Uh, you know, that's funny. Cause I, I was just speaking to Hollywood, Jimmy Blaylock down in Mississippi about a half an hour ago. <laughs> he just hit me up. He's like, dude, how you doing? What's going on? You know? So him and Stan Sierra and Lawler goes down there once in a while. Derek King is one of their guys who's retired like 64 times at this point. I mean, you know, so a little bit.
0: That that's one of the things that uh, our our publicist Steve Joyner had uh, told me about uh, Scotty when he first introduced me to him was just the f- not just the fact that he you know flicked from the to- uh, from the Christmas story, but the fact of the matter is is I used to be a professional wrestler, an independent professional wrestler, and he's like, oh, you and Scott should get together because Scott's been involved with wrestling since God knows when. And I'm like, are you kidding? When when did? When did Little Flick get a part of wrestling? <laughs> I was mesmerized at finding out that uh, like you've had a very long standing in the wrestling world.
3: Yeah, yeah, no, I, I uh, got in with the gang back in September of '85 with WWF, and uh, I hung with them for you know 14 months, 15 months, whatever it was, and then uh, then I moved to California and they didn't do much out here, you know. So I mean to say, I probably went to like two shows over 12 years. That would have been it. You know, right. And uh, but, you know, I, I, I was more or less out. I mean, the whole era of the rock and Stone Cold and all that stuff. I wasn't a part of it at all because that just I was here and not back east. And, you know, you get older and your, your priorities change and all that. And uh, met Jerry Lawler at one of the conventions at a Chiller Theater in New Jersey and he's a Christmas story fanatic and I knew everybody he knew and he's like oh dude you got to come to SummerSlam which is actually on right now as we're doing this <laughs> not to really, really care but it was SummerSlam you know seven years ago now and right kind of wr- ring me back into it and I followed it for a while and you know I talked to some of the guys nice
0: nice well let's go ahead and hop into uh, a subject that that is kind of your world and and mostly all of ours for the most part in the entertainment world. We wanted to talk about movies. This is a subject that Michael and I have been sitting on for a good two months now. Yeah. <laughs> We've been trying to talk about this. Uh, for most of us, we're, we're obviously of age uh, that we remember the, the, the boom of, especially in the eighties, the boom of the pre-adolescent, uh, Buddy film, and what I mean by that is like a group of kids go off on some form of adventure. Doesn't matter if the genre was comedy, horror, or something like that. You've got a group of three or more kids winding up on some wild and wacky adventure, and of course, it's a coming-of-age story in some way, shape, or form. In modern times, you 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 have things like uh, Stranger Things and uh, the the first movie of uh, the remake of It to kind of have a idea of what I'm talking about. But back in the day, there was a just an overabundance of films I mean the goonies uh, the Monster squad uh sandlot uh, Stand by me just just to name four off the top of my head guys were you were you huge fans of of these styles of films back in the day
1: I am now i was uh really I was too old to be to get into them at the time when they came out. But since we've uh, been talking about this project, I've been going back and listen and, and watching quite a few of the shows, and I was really surprised they were quite enjoyable. And it was fun seeing these actors as children. I'm sure Scotty could re- can uh, you know relate to that because he knew probably all of them or most of them. A lot and, uh, of. Them. Yeah, so he grew up with them. So uh, that's why we got him here so he can give us that interesting tidbit. Yeah, the inside scoop of it. <laughs>
0: Well, what about what about you, Scott? I mean, I know you kind of lived it with the with the, the Christmas story, but did you watch these genre-style films, especially because some of them were your, like, friends? Well, sure, because the- I
3: mean, you watched what your contemporaries did, or you watched what, you know, other kids did, you know, Then that has, that's not really has anything to do with me being in show business, we just watched that, right? you know, so I mean, you know, all that stuff, you know, that that you mentioned, and of course you had... The Pretty in Pink's and Sixteen Candles and uh, oh, god, there was another one I had in my head and it just uh, um, oh god with all the 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 Keith Coogan Will Wheaton picture where the, the guys take over the school they want to kidnap the kids. Ta- uh, tap. Fast
1: Times Fast Times at Ridgemont High. No.
3: No, but that's a great one too. Yeah. Um, oh god.
0: No, tap, Taps with Tom Cruise. That's right. Never mind.
1: Yeah. But um, a very
0: young time. Soldiers,
3: toy soldiers.
0: Toy soldiers, okay.
3: Yeah, I mean, the thing is, is especially the Chris Columbus films. You know, the the Breakfast Club, Sixteen Candles. They were that kind of set in that time, and then you had the kids' versions of that. And it's really tough to do it now, because none of those movies are really PC, you know. And for whatever reason, we've sort of turned off. The humor in our brains now, where everything has to be serious, and everything has to be real. It's like, no, you know, let's just go to a movie and enjoy whatever the producer, director, writer, cast, whatever they put on the screen, just enjoy it, you know, now everything is looked at in a completely different way, you know.
0: I mean scotty's got a very good point uh jb like uh to get your mindset if they especially in today's modern society of of uh, hollywood they're always constantly remaking properties over and over again i just read that uh that uh will smith and uh kevin hart are about to remake uh, planes trains and automobiles uh scotty brings up a very good point would would something like the goonies for example be able to survive Politically correctness of a reboot, or would it completely destroy the charm of what the original movie brought?
2: And that's part of a major problem in society all over. I mean, if you look at sports, which is mostly what I do, you know, it's completely different now. You look at, you know, everyone's worried about what people say and what they do rather than how they just play. So, I mean, it, with movies, it's throughout the whole society that that's happening, and it does kill a lot of the entertainment factor in some of these great movies. Could you redo a movie like Goonies again and, and, you know, have it be the same? Probably not. It probably wouldn't would be able to be done.
3: But they, they've, they've tried different things. They tried to remake different films over the course of time. 99% of them... you, you When you walk into a theater and you've seen the original, now you're going to see a remake... Is it going to have that magic? Is it going to have that special feeling? You know, I, I use one in particular, which is bad because I know the guy who's the star of the film, but it is what it is. Charlie the Chocolate Factory, Willy Wonka. Oh, Willy Wonka all day. Willy Wonka is Gene Wilder in his prime. He's fantastic. The kids were fantastic. The songs. It is an American iconic film. And you're going to take that and you're going to switch it over to Tim Burton and Johnny Depp. So you're giving a different version of it. But people who have seen the original 400 times, that's what they want to see. They want to see the magic again. And it's very, very hard to duplicate it or replicate it. You know, Bob Clark, who directed A Christmas Story, did not want to do Christmas Story 2. He never wanted to do it. He never wanted to do a sequel, didn't want to do a remake. Well, and they paid him enough money, he's like, all right, fine, whatever. You yeah. know? But it, it doesn't take away from the original because that's what people love. Right. You know? Whatever they think about the second one or the, 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 my summer story or Christmas story too, it's a different thing altogether.
0: Well, it, it, it does bring up a question, though. Uh, and I, I, can get, I can get it from your standpoint, especially. Uh, being a child actor who, who is in such a beloved film, as, as one of the performers, would you even want to see an attempt to remake your
3: film? You can't remake it. You can't get lightning in a bottle twice. It just doesn't happen. The closest thing was actually uh, myself and Bob. We were out to dinner. He, he loved this place called Norm's out here in L.A. It's a 24-hour joint. And his dinner was at between 11 and midnight at night. That was his dinner time. <laughs> he, was, he was a vampire i always say okay um and we had actually tossed around ideas of the older kids meaning me peter zach yano ian or we go ralphie randy scott farkas grover dill flick schwartz as adults and it's their relationships but it's also their kids relationships how do they get along how do that do they treat each other is, is Scott Farkas, kid kid's still a bully. His right. Grover did skill, you know, Grover till kid, the bully, you know, I mean, we tossed it around a couple of times, but it never got anywhere further than that, you know, because it just, you can't just go, we got it. It just doesn't happen like that.
0: See, personally, I, I would accept that. Like if, if you told me that you guys were doing a, uh, excuse me, a, a Christmas story three where you guys were the adults and now the story's being told by your children. You know the best way I to describe it, it. I would accept it. That the best way I to describe it is we have a movie coming out now this this coming week uh, with Bill and Ted Face to Music, where it's almost kind of a passing of a torch to to Bill and Ted's children. You know, um, I would accept that more than what I mean is like if, if Hollywood turned around and said, "Look, we're going to do the Christmas Story, beat for beat, the same movie, but we're we're going to make it for
3: modern times."
0: Right, or what I would that,
3: mean, it would be totally different and the general public will accept the kids growing up they understand that Mm -hmm. so that's okay you know but to turn around and recast everybody you're going to have a new Ralphie and a new Randy and a new Scott Varkas wait we like the first one you know we like the first guys just bring them back and work with that you know Bill and Ted's is a different thing because you've always had Keanu and you've always had Alex so (laughs) it's them 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 great so those will always work, you know, unless they're, you know, Caddyshack, Caddyshack too, you know, whatever, you know, but <laughs> you're keeping the original members, you, sh- you should still be able to do well, because you've got a fan base that's built in already. You know, as much as they love the film, Christmas Story, they loved us as, as child actors, as performers, you know, it all had, a, it all is in the package. You know, but to try and recreate it, to do the same film now with a different cast—Bob's gone, Gene Shepherd is gone—and that's the material it's from that people fell in love with. Right.
0: Uh, no, I'm I'm right there with you. Like I like I said, I, I would I would be more accepting if you were to come if somebody were to come out today and say, "Hey, we're making uh uh, you know, Christmas Story of the next generation."
2: There as you appo-
0: go. As opposed to, we're rebooting Christmas stories.
3: Yeah, we uh-huh. don't have to be the stars of it. No, no, you make the kids the stars. Right. But but you've got to see Ralphie's. You got to see Ralph. Uh, the, whoever the kid Ralphie, you got to see the father. You got to see Ralphie. Mm-hmm. You got to see Flick. You got to see Schwartz. We're gonna we're gonna concentrate on the kids, but we're still gonna see the parents, and the parents are the ones that people fell in love with.
0: Especially, especially if you see the parents, like, uh, obviously, we mean Ralphie more than anybody else here. And that because we got to see their uh, Ralphie's home style growing up in the original movie. Mm -hmm. You got to see a parallel of Ralphie becoming his father. You know, in a a sense where, you know, like, we we all swear we're not going to be like our parents. And then we grow up being pretty much like our parents. So if Ralphie's a a, a turkey thief and uh, <laughs> constantly yelling at the neighbor's dog, then it's fitting, you know, the continuity's there.
3: <laughs> well, no, you could see Ralphie as like a banker. Yeah, because he wasn't he wasn't a dumb kid, you know, so he could be a banker. You know, uh, Flick was the wise guy, so maybe he's a stand-up comedian. That you makes know? Make sense. Scott Fark is the bully. Listen. He's a mechanic in a in a you know car shop. If you've ever seen one, you know.
0: Divorced and in
3: debt. Of course, Grover <laughs> Dill. You know, you guys. I don't know if you guys have seen Yano, who who was Grover Dill, but he is what we would call a brick shit house. He's built like a Mack truck. So it's hysterical because Grover Dill owns a gym. I mean, <laughs> the the ideas very quickly if you just if you know them and you think about it of what the fathers would be, but Correct. it's where the kids are, you know, my daddy, this my dad, that. Yeah. Yeah. My dad kicked your dad's ass, you know, whatever, <laughs> you know, but you have to throw all of the PC stuff out the window because kids aren't PC, you know, they're just kids. Well,
0: besides Correct. besides the PC thing to throw, to throw it out to the other two guys here as well, you know, when I, when I think of like a modern day film, I think about uh, or, or a modern day version or rendition of, of the buddy films of the days. The thing was, is like the kids got on their bikes and went out on a wacky adventure, whether it's to go see a dead body or go find buried treasure or whatever, what have you. I mean, in modern society, could that work with youth generations that do nothing but sit on their phones or playing on tablets and computers? you know, and Xbox is like, how, how would we get that human factor that was a big appeal to these style of films out of modern-day sensibilities? Do you guys think it would even be possible?
2: Anything ahead, is Jimmy. possible. Yeah, I mean, you know, nowadays, like you said, kids don't go out. You don't ever see kids out in New York. I mean, they're at home playing video games at, on their phone. So, you know, going on a bike and going for an adventure – they wouldn't know what that is. When I was growing up and Scotty was in the movie, and, you know, we'd go out. We were out all day. If we play video games, it was because it was raining or it was late at night and it was the summer. We weren't playing video games, you know, in the middle of the week, three o'clock in the afternoon. No, you weren't allowed to do that. You were out playing ball bowl or going somewhere, doing something, having that type of adventure. Right, Nowadays, yeah. would kids be able to relate to that? That's a great point.
3: Yeah, I mean, I played football. Baseball with my friends basketball when I was not going auditions and stuff like that. I'm just saying normal stuff. You know, I mean riding our bikes to the golf course, you know, playing a quick nine holes doing whatever. That's what we did. Now it's sitting at the tablet and this is what they know, you know, And, and again, the world has changed. People have changed. You know, I mean, I was a kid 12 years old. I didn't have a cell phone. We didn't have cell phones. You go outside, you go play at your friend's house. When it's time to come in, it's either you're in before the darkness or mom would stick her head out the front door and scream to me a block and a half away. And I, and I hear like, Oh guys, I gotta go home. I gotta go for dinner. <laughs> kids don't understand that. Now, now mom just picks up the phone and sends you a text and says, Hey, get your ass home.
0: But now you, I know, have you don't have to. JD, in the JB, room.
3: it's you, you, you're perfectly on the money with that. Would kids even grasp the concept of going out for an adventure it would have to be something different you know
1: it's a shame it's really a shame i think uh how could we get back to that somehow i mean you can't make make, force kids to go out and have a good time out in the yard or whatever i remember in the summer the first thing i did was take my shoes off and i I didn't have my shoes on the whole summer that you know that that to me told me that i was not going to school (laughs) that i had a summer (laughs) vacation and you know, I rode my bike everywhere. We went all over the neighborhood. and We met all these kids that live in the neighborhood. And it's just not their way anymore. But, you know, well, I don't kids, think. Need- most of the time, kids are creatures
3: of habit. It's what they do every day. So if we took away the social media, if we took away the cell phone, you know, the securities that parents want now, the cell phone thing. And the kids, you know, just, hey, listen, go over to your friend's house, go play. You know, I was at my friend Kenny's house all the time, shooting basketball, whatever, playing golf. My parents never called his parents' house to say, hey, where is he? They knew where we were. Today is just different. Now a kid, they go around the corner and the mother's panicking. Where's my child? It's like, your kid's 15. He's going to be just fine. What the hell are you worried about? When did this become the thing? You know, but you have to take away social media. You have to take away, you know the comforts of being able to just sit at home and go, go outside.
1: Well, I think because of social media, parents have learned the horrors of what could be out there. And that's what they're afraid of. They're afraid their kid's going to get abducted by some psycho and molested or, or what have you, uh, which, you know, could happen anyway. You know, that doesn't, doesn't mean just, you know, because now that was happening back then when we were kids as well, maybe not, not as, as much, often, but. but um,
0: not, as, not as much. And I think the reason, I think the major reason, and, you know, I, I I'm, I'm, comparatively to most people that are sitting in this panel right now i'm one of the younger guys but i mean uh i would imagine that uh, it happens more now than it does did back in the day because of the fact that you know there used to be something called community you know uh thinking about it when i was a kid when i was out in, in the street doing whatever it is i was doing with my friends i didn't have to worry about my mom and dad or, or grandparents as it were in my case keeping an eye on me because i had the whole neighborhood knowing who i was where i was and would contact my grandparents if, God forbid, I was doing something wrong or if, God forbid, I got hurt or, or abducted or something. And I think nowadays, part of the reason why a lot of kids are more susceptible to being abducted and all is not just because of the fact that like uh, they, they aren't well-informed because they are, but it's because of the fact that even the, the neighbors, the, the adults, just aren't looking out the windows anymore they aren't paying attention to the neighborhood it's all internal everybody just worries about their own shit and screw everybody else
1: yeah and back I, in the day when that, you did, when you had kept your front door unlocked you know that's another thing that has gone to the wayside no one keeps their front door unlocked anymore or at least not around here yeah <laughs> mm-hmm. I
3: mean, I'm, I'm in a community i know my neighbors on both sides behind me the guy in front of me i know the ones over there i know the kids play over there you know, we don't really have any issues over here, but you know, and I also live in a community where it's, it's a more red than blue community and pretty much every other house has guns in it. People know that. <laughs> so they don't really mess around over here with anybody. They leave us alone, you know, right. you know, but I mean, you know, I mean, I have friends in, 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 uh, Manhattan, 90th and Broadway, 88th and Broadway, 82nd and Broadway, 94th and Broadway. They're not letting their kids just go downstairs and take the elevator and go out and that Absolutely ain't happening. Not. That ain't happening no more.
0: That's it. There's certain areas here where I live in Philadelphia where you just and you know this guy, you you you've been to my beautiful city. There's just some areas you don't go down in the middle of the night even as a grown man with a gun.
1: Yeah, JB, you're in New York, is that right?
2: Yeah, I'm in Brooklyn.
3: Okay. Well, yeah. yeah. I New mean,
2: York.
3: when we were shooting Christmas story, Cleveland was not a good town. It's not what you see today. You know, everything was run down, everything was boarded up, and we literally when we got there, we we they brought us all together for a meeting and they said, when the sun goes down, please do us a favor and don't leave the hotel. Even with your parents, <laughs> even with your chaperones, don't leave the building. If you want to go somewhere, call production. They'll send two people to drive you someplace. Now, the hard, not not the hard rock, the, um, oh, God, there was another one that was there in 83. Oh, God. It was like a big diner thing that they had in Cleveland, okay. and it was four blocks from the hotel. I was there once hmm. because you didn't want to go outside. I mean, literally, you know, that's neighborhoods, it's, that downtown, it's, you know, be it cities all over the country, you know, the suburbs are always different, you know, you go to the middle of Kentucky, Tennessee, Oklahoma, Mississippi, it's open season because they got open fields and everybody's neighbors, like, like Chris was saying, you know, a little different, but the cities, no, they've lost that entirely. You know, if the park is across the street, OK, kids want to go to the park. OK, two moms or dads are going across the street to the park with the kids. There's no such thing as the kids are on their own anymore. And I say kids, I mean, eight to 15.
0: Well, you bring up a you bring up a great point as far as like, again, trying to modernize the uh, the, the, the buddy kids movie, uh, you know, pre pre adolescent movie. Uh, we're, we're forgetting one simple factor that usually works with these, a lot of these films too. And that's, that's the advent of the adversary, which is usually a same age or slightly older bully, uh, be it a big brother or the kid in the neighborhood, like, like Fargus was or, or whatever the case may be. How will we handle that in modern society with the, with the anti-bullying phase? How will we treat it? Like, uh, is it the gang member, the, the, the kid that's getting into, uh, joining the bloods and crypts like like what what kind of what kind of modernization will we even put on the antagonist bully
3: role it's it's a great question and really no matter how you could end up doing it somebody's going to have a problem with it that's just where we are as a society not everybody you know but but one who's got the keyboard turns into 200 that is the keyboard You know, but that doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, you know, the bully is a bad guy. He's just a bully. You know, is that basically what every heavy in every film is, is a bully? You know, Edward G. Robinson, did the bad guy in how many films was he a bully? Right. No, he's an actor. He's doing a role. This is just who he is. You know, Mm -hmm. how do we how do we make that into a today's version of whatever? But you're right you know, but, and then you got to be careful what the character is. You,
1: you know? all here has kids and, and how, how have you dealt with that kind of thing? I mean, like, like uh, JB, do you have children?
2: Yeah, I know children.
1: Okay. I, I don't either. So that would be Chris and Scotty. Then if they, I don't have children. You don't. Okay. Chris, you're the and only we, one.
0: Uh, well, well, my children, I've been lucky so far, knock on wood. My, my two youngest uh, who are 11 and 10 are pretty well liked by everybody in their school. So uh, they're 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 kind of the popular kids. Not popular in the sense of like you know, oh Buffy and you know, (laughs) shit like that. But I mean like my 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 son's a goofball, so everybody likes him. He's kind of the class clown. And my daughter, my daughter just gets along with everybody. The only time I really dealt with bullying was my older son, and it's it's a weird scenario because it's uh it's one of those types of situations where my oldest son kind of asked for it. It's one of those deals where he'd like go pick a fight with the bully. In oh, which case okay. like, well, like you kind of brought that on yourself, man. You leave him alone, he's leaving you alone. Don't mess
3: with it. I, him. You I had a deal. I, I dealt with this yesterday. Not a week ago or a month. Yesterday, a friend of a friend, this kid, ten years old, he's almost eleven, he's on the chunky side, he's getting bullied. Now he's having semi-depression, and what do I do? And this and that. And his parents—they're his mom and dad—they support him, but kids don't always listen to everything their parents say. But if somebody else says it, they seem to get it better. Right. So I went and met with them yesterday, and I sat there with the with the mom and the dad and the kid, and we talked and whatever. And yeah, he's a little chunky, and you know, and he and he's not quite eleven years old. And I'm kind of thinking, you know how do you want to take this because he's being bullied and i asked him how big the kid was and he's like oh he's like this much taller than me and i'm like and, he, and he's thin he's skinny yeah i said so you outweigh him by 40 50 pounds right yeah i said then you know you wait till he makes a move and he does something and then you just kick the shit out of him because that's what you have to do and his mother and his father both told him if you do that and you get in trouble it's okay we're we are totally okay with that if you beat up the bully we will take you out to dinner it's okay to stand up to a bully as long as you're not the one throwing the first instigating ball. it yeah the right. funny the funniest thing was is he's he's dabbling a little bit in the acting a little bit tiny yeah. bit but he likes to sing i said oh yeah and i'm figuring you know 10 years old what do you like to sing he says oh i sing some of the stuff from today but i really like to do sinatra nice i said sinatra i said i said what songs he goes oh uh, fly me to the moon my way i said okay listen this is what you do so i came up with his game plan i said work on which either song you like doesn't make any difference work on it for like two months because he's sitting home right now you can't go to school you know i said have your mom record you singing it and throw it up on youtube so by the time you get to school You will have emailed it to your friends, and your friends will have emailed it to their friends and their friends and whatever. I said, by the time you get to school, when this kid bullies you, everybody else is going to stand up for you. They're going to say, hey, he's a nice guy. He sings. He does it. Leave him alone. I said, so right now, you don't really have too many people backing you up, but you might have 200 by the time you get back to school.
0: I'll tell you what. You send me that video. I'll make sure it's on the next Fourth Wall uh, weekly episode. We'll, We'll feature him. Uh, a kid, 11 uh, year old kid singing uh, Frank Sinatra. Absolutely. Yeah. In fact, I'll make a, will make a request. Send me the video of him singing some Dean Martin, man. Give me give me some kick in the head.
3: Yeah, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and, he, and he's got a decent he's got a decent voice. He really does. It was nice. I Thanks, mean, we're sitting yes. at the table at a restaurant outside. So it right. wasn't like he could just blast away, but I could hear his voice. I'm like, kid's got a damn good voice, you know. Very but nice. bullies are everywhere, and they've always been here. They're always going to be here. It's how you equate what we used to do to what we did now. I had a bully in school. I got locked in lockers. I got thrown in the garbage container in our high school cafeteria. You know, and I had my ways. You know, because I had friends that were the football players and the wrestlers, and they helped me out a little bit. And there you go. You know, kid ended up you know in the shower with all of his clothes on a couple times. You know, stuff like that. <laughs> now it's just a different thing. People are. Eh, well, that,
0: that, that brings up a very good point. I mean, it, it, we kind of fell off the movie rolls here, but it yeah. up a very good point. Uh, how many of us, as Scotty stated, I mean, I can't, I can't lie or deny either. I've been in many fights in my life, and I've lost more than I won, and most of which were to some form of bully. You know, it's not like I went out looking for a fight, but I've tried to defend myself, and sometimes I just wasn't better than the bully. Um, but I usually earn the respect by the end of it because I had the balls to stand up to him but I mean like how many of us have gone through that and how did you handle your bully situations when, when they, you were confronted with them?
1: I graduated from high school. That was the end of my bully. Um, there you go. <laughs> you know, I was, it was pretty bad in high school, but once I graduated, I didn't, I never saw those kids again and I was fine with that. So.
2: Yeah. I mean, you know, basically I fight back where they start, you know, and before you know it, it was done, you know, that, it was never anything major. Um, when I was in high school, I was thought it was grammar school. And then as I got older, everyone was always afraid to fight with me, you know, because I was always a little bit bigger, taller. So nobody really bothered me. But when I was young. I would just stand up to them, and that would be that.
3: I didn't know. have that benefit. You guys are lucky. <laughs> I, graduated, I graduated high school. I was five foot tall. I weighed 97 pounds. Wow. <laughs> you know. But listen, we've, we've come to this bullying. This is what it's called. I didn't call it that. We didn't call it that back then. No. He's an asshole. Right. There wasn't a bully. It was he's an asshole. It was just different. You know. Then they created the bullying thing, you know. You know, I mean Scott Farkas in Christmas story is a bully, and then Ralphie beats him and then everybody's happy. You know, but I don't say he's a bully, I say he's an asshole.
0: Right. No, absolutely. I mean, I use the term bully because I'm a parent. And, you know, the mm-hmm. first time I heard the term bully was my parents, you know, when I was getting picked on. It was, it was never my parents turned around and said, Oh, he's the the kid's a jerk or the kid's an asshole. So he's a bully. If you stand up to all me, leave you alone, whatever. You know, so I kind of use the same phrase. But yeah, you're you're right. When I'm when I'm in the mix of it the guy's a jerk off. The guy's an asshole. The guy, you know, the guy's the, the, the load his mother should have swallowed. Whatever derogatory (laughs) way I could, I could put it out there. We weren't that creative, but I like that, (laughs) (laughs) you know Um, you're right. We never looked at them as bullies. We just looked at them as somebody who, you know, was dropped on their head one too many times
3: in in life. And And my bully, in my case, my bully, we have no idea where he is. After high school disappeared. We don't know if he's alive, dead He never came to a reunion Nobody knows his address Nobody's seen him He's like disappeared And I'm like I just hope that You know He's someplace nice and he gets three square meals a day And somebody named Bubba Is regularly visiting his rectum That's pretty much it (laughs) (laughs) You know That's pretty much all I hope for him
0: You want to be the husband or the wife?
3: (laughs) They probably would have made him a bitch really quick There you go
0: but uh, no, that, that brings up a very good point, too, is like sometimes some things that like even films don't necessarily uh, uh, visit all too much is the bully after the fact. You know, normally, like 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 uh, like you said, with Fargus, you know, Fargus gets his ass kicked by uh, Ralphie. And that's the last you see of Fargus. You, you never see what becomes a Fargus later. Like does does a, a Fargus uh, ever grow up and realize, dude, I was kind of a jerk or right. asshole, or do they become that much more? Do they become the Jeffrey Dahmers of the world? Yeah, yeah. Who knows?
1: Or why they were bullies to begin with. Or, or why you know, they
0: were bullies to begin with. Yeah, yeah, I mean,
1: a lot of times there are kids that they have some problems at home. It may be, you know, tough dealing with your father or dealing with your mother, and then you take that out on somebody at school and you feel big again. So you just got to yeah. wonder what they're going through.
2: But nowadays, it's not even so much, you know, a bully as in face-to-face, it's online, it's on Facebook. You know, when you write That's, about somebody, it's it's hidden. You know, at least in our day, if somebody said something, you were there, you could confront it. Now, anybody can say it anywhere, and you, you're like, it's so much different. JB, you, you
3: hit the nail on the head. We used to leave it in school. You got on the bus, or you rode your bike home, or you walked home, whatever it was, and it was over until the next day now before you even get home it's ding 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 and and you're getting hammered and just hammered with it until basically you fast you go to sleep at night you know so it's really it's a 24 hour thing and it's leading kids down a path of darkness i mean how many kids at 12 13 14 15 now you know i bring this up because it's it it's one of these topics One of my best friends that I've known for almost 40 years, 35 years, his 15 year old son this past year took his own life. Oh God. You know, and I don't say that to be like, Oh, you know what? No, it just, it's what happened, you know? And I had to fly back and, you know, go to a funeral and it's like, I'm standing up with my friend and they just, you know, the kid had depression and this was happening and that was happening. they tried to help him and this and that he couldn't, couldn't swing and he couldn't get out of it, you know? And this is a upper middle class kid. They weren't poor by any means. No stretch of the imagination. You know, his father ran uh, collectible shows with some of the sports guys that you know, JB. And he runs runs the uh, Philly card show.
2: Oh, wow. You know? It's a shame. It's hard for the kids nowadays. It's so different. We had the opportunity. If somebody said something, it was to us. We could confront it. We could do something. Or we could do nothing. However, we chose to deal with it. Like you said, now, if they don't do anything, you know, before you know it, there's a hundred different, you know, posts. Who's seen it? It's going throughout the whole city, not just the school. You know, it's very hard. And we as adults look at it differently than we as
3: 14-year-olds. Right. we had to go through that nonsense at 14, you don't think the same way you know, this is the end of the world. Oh my God. They said this about me, not understanding and realizing in two weeks, nobody remembers anything anyway, you know, but to them, it's the end of the world right now. And, uh, you know, I mean, that's
0: just. And it's also the sign of the times, like you said before, because like adults even deal with it. I deal with it on a, on a regular basis because I share political points of view that may not be, uh, you know, uh, liked by other people. And I, I get to, I get to bullying all the time and, you know, it, 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 social media has definitely made people have, I always call them keyboard cowboys. They've gotten way too comfortable with saying shit without having the repercussion of getting punched in the mouth. Now, I'm an adult. As a kid, you're right. When we were kids, you know, you could confront it. You could run away from it. You could leave the school. I mean, worst case scenarios, you just got to worry about, am I going to cut school or pretend to be sick? The next day so I don't have to deal with it again but your home was your sanctuary your friends out on the street was your sanctuary once you left this the the the, the problem area you really didn't run into that kid that bully again till the following day going back yeah. to school now the problems follow you home as a kid because of social media and shit like that and I get it I get where, where Scott's saying it. it's like it follows you 24 7 and of course yeah as an adult we're just going to be like well okay turn off your Facebook for the day then right. they can't bother you. But that really isn't the answer because who's really shutting off their Facebook. And let's be honest, Who, as much as we should cut back on social media in the world, who's actually doing it, especially children.
3: But at the end of the day, if you can look at yourself in the mirror and you're okay with who you are and what you believe in and whatever, you're fine. Mm-hmm. Don't care what somebody says on Facebook Or any you know whatever Twitter. Who gives a shit? I don't see me. I'm again. I'm older than I. I, Maybe Mike's older than me. I think I know I'm older than JB and Chris.
1: I'm I'm older than you are. Yeah. I'm fifty-two. I'm fifty-eight. So
3: okay. And you guys are younger. Yeah. I'm forty-three. So. (laughs) I'm forty-five. Yeah. So, it's just different what we think now. What's important? What's not important? You know, are these people paying our bills? Are these people taking care of our families or our home? No, of course not. So who gives a shit what they say? I could care less. Right. When you're 12, 13, 14, you don't have those thoughts. Yeah, you this just want to be lying. the worst liked. thing in the world. Yep.
0: Yeah. And that's exactly it. The, 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 social, the social construct in the schools. The one thing that has not changed in the, in, in the high school, junior high school world is that reputation pretty much is everything as you're going through your school years. You know, uh, do they do they have repercussions for your real life? No, of course not. You could be you could be the class loner or the or uh, or the class uh, valedictorian at the end of the day and still wind up working at McDonald's at the same same time. It doesn't matter. Or you could wind up being the next guy who creates the next NASA rocket to, to Mars. You know, the opportunities are still there regardless of how you were socially in school. But while you're going through your 12 years, 12 plus years in in school, that reputation with those classmates and those schoolmates, it it really is kind of life for for most kids. That if somebody even remotely jokes about you being disliked by somebody, has major repercussions to your your self-esteem, your ego, and how you associate with your other classmates. And unfortunately today it standards like back in the day if somebody you know spread a rumor about me in high school the worst case or in elementary school or middle school worst case scenario is you have me turning around and punching you in the nose in the hallway nowadays the repercussion is you wind up with kids in trench coats with mac tens you know it's really escalated out of control
1: yeah school is such a it's 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 a job for kids i mean it's what eight hours a day five days a week and You know, that's such a big thing.
3: How did this happen? How did we just go off the rails? (laughs) And I say we, and it's really kind of my generation, but it's kind of the one under me. You know, it's the the 30 to 40 year olds, not the 50 plus year olds, you know, because you guys have the kids that are six, seven, eight, 10, 12, you know, 15, you know, in that range, you know, what happened here, gang? I think, know?
0: I think it's babies having babies and of course, uh, everybody reading, you know, and I, I, I mean this in a joking sense, but not really everybody reading Dr. Spock and deciding that's the way you got to go, you know, as opposed to, you know, learning from your parents, which all of us are supposed to do, uh, the right and wrong ways of parenting. And, and it, it doesn't matter if you believe in spanking your child or not, but spanking your child, punishing them or, or whatever, however you punish them or whatever the main thing at the end of the day is teaching human decency and kindness to your children, you know, morality, right, true, right, and wrong. And I respect. think respect and respect. And I think those are, things are highly missing in, in a lot of uh, child development today.
1: Well, teachers so are doing a lot of, the, uh, teachers are bringing up kids now. It's not so much their parents doing it anymore. It's the teachers. They're with the teachers more than they are with their parents most of the time. True.
3: And they're with their friends, and they're on social media more than anything else.
2: Mm-hmm. That is the, there's no sense of community. Right? When we were growing up, you know, you knew your neighbors; everybody knew each other. Like we said earlier, if you were out and your mother called you, you didn't go; somebody else would tell you your mother's called, You go home. Yeah. Now, it's oh, let's get the cell phone and see what's happening. We'll take a we'll take a video of it. Yeah, and, and post it somewhere. It's, there's no community now. Nobody you know works together. That and is sense is too structured.
3: So how do you take all of this that we just went over in the past 15 minutes or so and say, okay, we're going to make a teen movie today that's going to resonate with people. They're going to like it. It's going to be fun or whatever the case may be, whether it's Gremlins, Goonies, Monster Squad, you know, uh, uh, oh, God, what's the River Phoenix picture with Will Wheaton? Uh, Oh, oh, oh. Explorers? Uh, Toy Soldier. Not Toy Soldiers. The River Phoenix picture with all the guy with all the, the five kids. With stand Feldman. by me. Oh, stand by me. Stand by me. How, me. How are you going to do that today and sell it to the average teeny bopper from 14 to 24? You know, that age group that loves stand by me. Yeah. How are you going to do that today? They don't, they have, they have no concept of what that life is. You know, it's hard to do that stuff, man. You know, probably, 16 candles how are you gonna do that with you know a girl holding up a pair of panties and you know mike nancy michael hall holding up panties in the dance what are you crazy
0: i could see i could see something similar and this is this is me spitballing you know take take it for a grain of salt and take it for a grain of salt i am not a filmmaker in any way shape or form of the word uh but i would imagine the only way we could really pull off like setting it back into the examples of, of the, the kid, the the kid style movies that we did that we were talking about back in the eighties and early nineties, but setting it in modern times is maybe parents sending their kids off to some sort of summer camp or even a disciplinary camp where they have the technology taken away from them and they start to learn the value of, of the, the community friendship and, and, uh uh cooperation between each other to do whatever it is that they do in that film, you know, whatever it may be, may like maybe because they're so bored, they pick up they find an old book and in that book it states that somewhere on the ground, somewhere there's uh I don't know, old World War Two uh bunker or some crap like that, just just for the sake of argument. So they wind up looking for it and they wind up getting lost in the woods and now they've got to figure out how to get back, you know, or whatever else. Um, I don't know. Something like that, I think, would probably be the only way we could really get it back to that innocence of, of, of friendship and camaraderie between the group.
3: As long as, as, long, as long as nobody said, well, you know, the counselors taking away their cell phones is violating their civil rights. <laughs> so we can't do wow, that. Wow, you hit that one right in the head. Yeah. <laughs> Personally, again, this is just my personal thing. Okay, and I don't have kids. Right. You know, I always say I don't have kids. I understand, you know, but I mean, I got plenty of friends who got kids. Any kid under high school should not have a cell phone in school. There is no reason.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know what? There's drives- no
3: reason. Home. Child gets on bus. Child goes to school. Child gets back on bus. Child comes back home. End of story. Have a nice day. There's no reason for them has to have a cell phone.
0: Oh, it drives me nuts. It drives me nuts. My daughter this year has to have a ninety dollar. Uh, Texas Instrument calculator for math. She's got to have one. They, 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 it, it's, it's in the school manuscript. They sing every year to tell you what they need you know, for the school year. They expect me to buy a $90 calculator for an 11-year-old girl. Uh, by the way, excuse me, when I was 11 years old, you guys suspended me for a calculator on my watch. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <You know?
0: laughs> now we encourage it, and not only do we encourage it, it's got to be the expensive one. I can't go to the dollar store and buy a calculator. No, it's got to be a Texas instrument. I forget the exact uh, the model it is, but it's an eighty nine ninety nine, you know, calculator. Are you kidding? I don't even own that calculator. You got to
3: have an iPad. They got to have a laptop. They got to mm-hmm. have. How in the world did we become decent human beings, intelligent human beings I did this test yesterday with the ten-year-old kid. This is actually funny because we're bringing this up. I <laughs> said to him, "I said I have a question for you." He said, "What's that?" I said, "Do you know what the Dewey Decimal System is?" Oh, Jesus Christ! He looked at me like I was from outer space. We knew what the Encyclopedia Britannica was. Oh yeah. Everybody had one. Every five years, you got a new one because you got to get the updated one. Yeah. Everybody went to a library to find out information. We didn't just pick up a facok the phones. And, and, and start, to, you know, hey, hey uh, Zuri, I'm an idiot. Uh, what, what is this? No, that's not what we did. We <laughs> had to work for the information, work to learn. Now it's push a button and they make it easier. You couldn't have a calculator in school when I went to school. You, you get caught with a calculator, automatic fail. It's all over.
0: How, how did I describe the Encyclopedia Britannica to my children when they asked me one time? Uh, I told them it was Google and hard copy. <laughs> pretty much that's pretty yeah. much what
3: it was but you had to go and look for it though yep <laughs> you know you had to go down if you were looking under you know if you're looking to try and find out what is what a uh, uh a flute was whatever you know I, I was actually trying to think the master of the fan the oh god what zam the master yeah. of the pan flute Okay. You had to go to you you go Z. Okay, Zamphere. Who the hell is Zamphere? We had to go look him up.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah.
3: You know, we had to we had to work for our intelligence. How the hell did we all survive this shit and become intelligent human beings without any of this stuff?
0: Oh, come on. Just it's just like you live you live in a world where you have information at your fingertips. You, everybody, everybody owns a cell phone, a smartphone, everybody owns a computer. But that doesn't make them smart. Out. Well, that, that's my point. Like, how can you be so intelligent and having – like, your phone has autocorrect. I know this for a fact because every time I want to curse on my phone, it all of a sudden becomes duck. Um, (laughs) Okay. We have autocorrect on our phone. How are we still screwing up spelling?
1: Really?
3: (laughs) (laughs) In modern day. Come on. Do kids how to know in script? Do they know how to write a real letter outside of sitting in a typeboard print and it prints it out? No writing a real letter
2: How about telling time
0: oh yeah oh yeah yeah you think the two things that have driven me nuts in, in modern times is that they don't teach analog clocks you know which were for, for people who are dumb enough to not understand what analog means is it means non-digital it means the actual long the, and short arm the big uh, hand is the on the hand.
3: three and the little hand is on the six it's 330 okay you know
0: right you know, or, or the fact that they're not teaching, uh, uh, handwriting, uh, cursive, cursive, yeah. you know, cursive. that's
3: what I'm saying, writing a letter
0: grip. And, uh, I mean, it's just, it, it's stupid to me because like, if for no other reason, okay, I'm, I'm guilty of this too. I don't necessarily write in, 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 uh, cursive when I write a letter to somebody, uh, I, I'm more comfortable with using typical print. But I still sign my name in cursive. Like, I mean, if for no other reason, you get to know cursive, at least sign your signature. A- am I this wrong? Was,
3: but this was stuff we learned in second and third grade. Yep. They That's got okay. kids graduating high school. They can't do it. They go, well, can I go to the computer and print it out? No. How do you, you know, come on, folks.
1: What's taking the place now? Are they spending more time on computers and stuff at school or?
3: Sure
0: yeah mm-hmm.
1: pretty, pretty much
0: that that and uh you know uh, uh social studies but not in the social studies aspect of like we had but nope. studies as in current event social studies mm. <laughs> you know i have yeah. actually i I've, I've had to argue with with uh, with my kids school i've had to argue with them on some of the curriculum it's like no you're not teaching my kid that because that's not any of their business like uh, one of the schools wants to try to make it mandatory for uh Spanish, they have to take Spanish, not an elective second language be it Spanish, French, German, and you can choose the language, or maybe a semester of Spanish, a semester of French, a semester of German, you know, or whatever, like it used to be when we were kids. No, no, mandatory like 50% part of your grade you take and learn Spanish because there's people who don't want to learn English no, my kids are not going to Mexico anytime soon or uh, Spain or, or wherever else. They shouldn't be forced to learn that language. Do you want them to know a second language, well, my family's German descent, let them take German. <laughs> At least that fits to their family heritage. You know
3: what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> you know? well, it, a lot of it is they want to cut out the, the elective part of it to take a French or a German and they just want to have one teacher. So they're saving money by just having Spanish teachers, Mm
0: -hmm.
3: you know, that's, and of course, you know, it's basically the second language of the country at this point, you know, doesn't mean that 60% of us know it, you know, I know no dinero, I got that part down, you know. know that's about it you know i took i took two years of spanish and i don't remember any of that shit that i learned
1: i took four years in college and still don't know it i can't speak it but i I can read some but i can't speak it and you would think that after four years in college i would know something but it just i could not get it and it might have been it might have been different if i'd taken more as a child i think you're it's easier to learn as a child but yes you know so i think that that a language should be offered to a child at, at an early age but maybe not to require a, just one specific language like Spanish.
0: Well, that, that I'm was with Chris. Like,
1: I'm with Chris on, you know, being able to select yeah. your.
0: Well, that, that, that was kind of my argument to it. And I mean, if I'm wrong in this guys, please let me know. But my argument to it wasn't necessarily that they were trying to force that somebody had to learn a language, but one particular language. And of course it's Spanish. And of course I know the reason why they want it because they've been pushing for a while that Spanish becomes the second official language of the United States. I understand that. But my, my, point to it was like if my child has to be forced to learn this language and then lives their life without ever using this language you just wasted uh an hour a day for most of their professional school life on something they will never ever use the same argument as like algebra unless you're going to be a rocket scientist who the hell uses algebra i'm a carpenter i'm a fence installer i use angles and shit all the time i can't tell you the last time i've used calculus <laughs> to, to, to figure
3: I out never has. an equation, I had, a, right? I had to take algebra, algebra two. I've never used it. I'm out of school for 34 years already. I never had to use that stuff. You know what you need? Shop subtract, class. Subtract, subtract, divide, add, multiply. You're done.
0: Shop class, home economics, uh, balancing Bingo. a
3: checkbook, things you would actually use. Do you know they, they don't life, teach balancing? How do they not teach balancing a checkbook to kids? How? Mm -hmm. teaching them how to file taxes
2: there are so many things that are taught that are basic things and so many things that are wasted the kids have no play time either there's no time for gym or unstructured time everything is structured now we Mm. didn't have it like that it's horrible they don't have gym anymore
1: my niece but she went to not
2: all schools though
1: no not all
0: schools They've got a they've gotten rid of a lot of the uh, so uh, the that's the, a like, physical this, like, activity
3: for physical fitness. How is this not mandatory?
0: Well, it's, it's the same with like music and art. Those, those have fallen by the wayside too because they're considered non-mand uh, non essential, I guess it's the terminology they use. Sorry, Michael. But, we, but I was saying, gonna children, say talking
1: about children being in
3: shape is different than than music or art. I I I don't while I get it, you know, I don't necessarily I totally agree with it. But physical education, you know, a kid has to have physical education, because when he leaves school, he goes to Seven Eleven to get a big gulp or a big slurpee. <laughs> Right. I'm sorry, go ahead, Michael.
1: I'm sorry. I was just going to say that, you know, I'm talking about balancing a checkbook. Funny story, my niece, when she went to college, my uh, brother-in-law gave her a checkbook right. and, sa- and said that I've got some money in the bank. And so you, you need something, go ahead and write a check. Well, she thought that she, you know, if she wrote all the checks that were in the book, she was okay. And she got overdrawn. And he, he was like, you know, what, what What are you doing? She goes, well, I've still got checks.
3: i still got checks.
1: Yeah. So that, you know.
0: So she thought when the checkbook was empty is when she was out of money. When she
1: was out of money, yeah.
0: Which, again, uh, goes to the point, like. You know, you you, you, teach, uh, you teach a you teach a class on how to how to uh, take care of a credit card and credit card debt, because I mean I was guilty of this too as a kid. When I got my first credit card, oh I went to town. It's free fucking money. All of a sudden I'm really in debt from a you know a hundred dollar spending limit on, on my first credit card. You don't think a hundred dollars would hurt, but all them interests and all them mispayments and all. Oh yeah, it'll come it'll come back to bite you ass. This is something that schools should teach because it's preventative from kids winding up on the wrong side of things, starting their real life, their 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 adult lives, being you know, fiscally irresponsible. Fiscally irresponsible, you know. Um, teach people about how to save their uh, their monthly income to be able to afford food and rent and bills. You know, figure out the income. Like, okay, if my rent's due on the fifth of the month. And I've got $2,000 a month from my from my income. Well, okay, $1,000 in rent, it's due on the 5th. So I have to make sure I got that $1,000 at least by, you know, and I get paid biweekly. Like figuring out those types of outcomes where you make sure these kids know how to save money and and, and spread their money out to the needs, you know, without being like, well, okay, I get paid $2,000 a month. My rent's $1,000 a month. So I can afford that uh, $2,000 bike uh, right now. And then all of a sudden it becomes the first of the month. It's like, well, how do I not have money?
2: You know, but if they did that, then the kids would realize if they took the student loans, how much they'd be paying back. And when they weren't getting jobs from going to college and spending all that money in there, they would realize how bad of a system it was.
0: Yeah, but you know what? College college isn't the fact that even the loan debts, and, and I agree with you on that. I do agree with you. But the loan debts isn't necessarily the fact that they can't pay it back because they can't find a job. There's plenty that went to college that got good paying jobs after college. The problem is, is all the ones that owed debts paid tens of thousands of dollars to learn, you know, lesbian, lesbian interpretive dance as their major instead of something that actually would benefit them out in the real world when it's time to get a real job you spend eighty thousand dollars on a on a major that at the end of the day is still going to have you standing at mcdonald's asking people if they want fries with that that's not the
3: college's fault that's yours for making it's,
0: piss poor decisions
3: listen i'm one of the, i'm one of the people i understand student debt i never had any of. i went to one semester of you know community college whatever right i understand it But if you're 18, 19, 20 years old, you go to college, you agree that this is what you're spending, this is what you have to pay them back. Now, does the government need to make a profit on that? No, of course not. Because that's really who the, 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 all the student loans are backed by the government anyway. It -hmm. should be a straight up one half of 1% or a 1% loan, call it a day. You don't get it for free, but we're certainly not gouging you either. You know, to make it easier for these kids to pay it back. I got a friend of mine who's a lawyer here in Los Angeles, okay? He, he passed the bar now, I want to say four years ago, he went to Loyola Marymount, okay? okay. To this day, he still owes about 110000 in student loans. His payment's 1500 a month, and the interest is just in there, and it's just in there, and it's just in there. Right. You know? Well, no, and, I... And I it's, it's beat the shit out of him, you no, know? I,
0: I absolutely agree that, that uh, college tuition prices are way too high, especially for what you get in the, uh, in the, in the end of the day. But um, what, what I mean is that there is a difference between the ones that, uh, like your friend who took a career that was beneficial to which he is making a good amount of money, even though he's still drowning in debt, he's making those payments yes. as opposed to the other ones who are, you know, racked that much in, in debt, but they took a useless course, as their major and are wondering why they're not making Bill Gates money uh, from it. So they want to rely on the government to pay it off or, or they want somebody, No, you agreed to the, uh, to the terms and the conditions of the loan that first off, that's on you. And then you chose a useless major to be uh, what you graduate for, which has no bearing in the real world. So you can't go out and get a a, a social, not
3: socially, but a, a a physically uh, stable job. That's your fault. True. No question. Listen, anybody that wants to be any kind of a service person, electrician, a plumber, a carpenter, what the hell are you going to college for? Exactly. Go to electrician school. Go to the plumber place that they teach you. Go to the carpentry place that they teach you. Get on the job training if you can. Why are you going to college for four years spending $60,000 to come out of there And go, great, you know, I've got my degree in uh, whatever that I can't get a job, but I'm going to, you know, I'm going to go back to doing what I love. I'm going to be an electrician. Well, what the hell did you do? You know, and as an adult, you are responsible for your own actions. Mommy and daddy are not responsible when you're 22 and 23 and 24. No, it's not mommy and daddy's job to take care of your shit anymore.
0: Right. Well, it's a perfect example of my oldest son, who's uh, 24 right now. He's going into the Air Force, and this was a long-standing conversation for quite a while because originally he wanted to go to the Marine Corps. I'm absolutely fine with the Marine Corps. I mean, I come from a family of of military. I myself served in the United States Navy. Uh, I have no problems with it whatsoever, but what I told him when he was looking at the Marines, I said, unless you're looking to be a lifer or when you get out, you're looking to be in something like law enforcement. I would choose a different branch. And he said, why? I said, Marines are taught to kill. There's not really many jobs in the Marine Corps that are made for life outside of the military. I said, whereas in the Army, in the Navy, in the Coast Guard, they have job applications that will fit in the civilian world. Well, now he wants to be a, uh, an a, a, uh, aviation mechanic for the Air Force. That's what he's going Great! With. Perfect. He can get a job with Boeing or something. If he doesn't want to make a, a, a life in the Air Force, when he gets out, he can get a job with Boeing or with, you know, I know... Any airline. Or any airline. Yeah. Any airport, any airline. He, he, he gets some sort of trade outside of the service. And yeah. that, that was something I was drilling in his head for years through this conversation. Yeah. You
3: know? <laughs> the guy that lived across the street from me, his daughter, went into... Uh, the army she wanted she wanted to go into dentistry that's perfect they put her in dentistry school mm-hmm. she's gonna spend probably I mean she's young she's she's she'll probably stay in for 20 years because being a dentist is being you know whatever but she'll walk out of there and she could open up her own dentistry in five minutes oh absolutely because she's
0: walking away not only with the schooling and the schooling paid off in her in her uh, enlistment but she's walking away with the experience of course from it I of course. Highly recommend. How did we get into
3: all this from movies about teens and kids? I'm just wondering.
0: <laughs> because we realized that there's no way we could do these films in modern times without adding these types of uh, situations in.
3: JB wants to go back to Larry Boa.
0: Yes. Right? <laughs> I don't know. Are we making you a little uncomfortable in this conversation, JB?
2: No, not
3: at all. Okay. <laughs> Larry, JB, Larry Boa sat next to me. In 1980, at the NBA playoffs at the Spectrum, Philadelphia versus Boston. Him, wow. Greg, uh, Gary Maddox, and Mike Schmidt had the the little VIP booth right next to mine. Nice. Wow. That's cool. Now,
0: there, there's my Philadelphia hero right there. He just said the name right there, Mike Schmidt. If I ever got a chance to speak to him, I'd, like, probably shit myself. I won't lie. <laughs> <laughs> really good dude. Is he? Nice. So, I mean, you know, like – you know the long the long and the short of it is is I, I would never recommend an hard enough anybody, yeah, Even if you don't want to go life, go in the service. They'll take care of you. But make sure you pick a a uh, a field in the service that you could walk out of the service and have a career with. Totally. You know, don't don't just be don't just be an infantryman in the army or in the marines if you don't have aspirations outside of to become law enforcement or SWAT team, for example, you know, because that's where those fields that, that that's where those skills will come into play. But if you're, if you're an infantryman in the army and you're expecting to become a CEO of a corporation uh, who, who, who creates dolls, for example, action figures, you're probably not going to achieve that goal as an infantryman because you just don't have the skills. You're still starting at square one when you walk out of you know, yeah. out of the service. And True. the same the same deal as, as Scott said earlier. As a as a kid, as a as a teenager, as an adult, there is no shame whatsoever in having a, a, what most considered nowadays a pedestrian job, but a, a a trade job and going to a trade school. There are electricians who came out of uh, a trade school, paid five thousand, ten thousand dollars for their complete training, turn around, open their own business, already debt free. And, and in the black as far as, as far as their annual income, from a trade school, as an electrician or as a plumber, whereas you've spent four, five, six years in college racking up all that debt and you're still working at the gap, there is no shame in becoming a trade, a trade worker and going to a trade school.
2: Mm-mm. Not at all.
3: No? Yeah, listen, what do we need? Every home in America, same thing. Mm -hmm. We need a plumber. We need an electrician. We need somebody to fix this, somebody to fix that.
0: That's it. As long as human beings exist, we are going to eat and we are going to poop, which means we need toilets to work. We are going to need houses to be built. We're going to need electricity in those houses. Exactly. As long as human beings exist, those skills are always going to be in demand.
3: Oh come on, man! We have wind and solar. Don't you know that? I, anyway,
0: <laughs> you still got to move the wind and solar from those panels into the house. That requires
3: wire. Tell 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 SJB how many windmills they got in Manhattan. I don't think <laughs> Brooklyn and Queens and the Bronx. I don't think so. <laughs> oh man! But yeah, I mean,
0: over overall, the long the long and the short of it is, is I, I definitely think like. I don't know if if a modern day film could be done with kids. I think, I think we have to have like, like I said before, and and again, I'm no filmmaker. I would say, put them in a scenario like that, but we could address a lot of those scenarios just in like the sitting around a campfire in the middle of the night where these are literally concerns and, and problems the kids have that they can never find the answer to. And they could literally discuss it with each other the way
3: we just did now. You know what I mean? I don't know fantasy type scripts like a like a Goonies okay it's still fun it'll always be fun even to kids of this generation or the next one they may not have experienced any of that or really understand you know that yeah there are tunnels and there are places that really like this exist you know to them it's just a fun fantasy right You know, whereas our generation was like dude if we go up in the hills and the mountains I wonder if we could find a cave like this Right yeah you know, and we go look for the shit, you know you know <laughs> j b would just go to the 88th street subway and go, dude, it's a fucking jungle down here you know
0: <laughs> I don't know i I, I kind of pointed to the to the parents too because I mean uh where I grow up where I grew up and where I live now in in Philadelphia, we have uh, a park uh, which is kind of a wooded area out here uh, called Penny pack. you guys can look it up it's a huge huge uh wild 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 wooded reserve, I guess you could kind of say. It goes on for miles and miles all around. And uh, I spent my life in this park, you know, going off the beaten path and the trails and stuff, you know, uh, exploring and everything else. I introduced it to my kids and understand my 10 and 11 year old are phone and video game junkies. Like if I have them in the house, they're on the phone playing Roblox or they're on the Nintendo Switch playing Minecraft. You know, you can't get them away from it. But if I ever say, "Hey, let's go, let's go uh, get lost in the trails and penny pack," they're all about it. I think the children today could be saved and put out in those environments like the '80s uh, kids, as long as they got somebody guiding them into. Look, there's more to life than that stupid little idiot
3: box you keep playing with. You you are probably in the extreme minority on the overall of how many dads there are in the country that want to take the time to do that most most parents are working full-time monday to friday saturday it's something you know sunday could be church or saturday could be temple whatever it is to just the time is not there it's just not the same and so by the time the parent just goes you know i don't really i don't feel like it you know so good for you that you take the time to do that with your kid you know I wish more parents would and I wish we had better parents as an overall you know oh, yeah I mean
0: it's not something I could do every day but of course like not. on a Saturday if I could pull it if the weather's working with me yeah I'd rather get them out in penny pack and, and exploring and taking a look at wildlife and finding an interesting rock or hey, let's go swimming in the creek you know uh, and, and, and jump into you know fresh water like real water as opposed to a pool or something like that and just get them away from the electronics for a while. And, and you know, like you said, bonding is just opportunity to, to, to hang out with my children. I think if, it doesn't take much. It could be just an hour. An hour out of that one day a week, you know what I mean, it is, I think, has a major impact on children. I think parents really should, mother and father, should really spend more time
3: on that. You look at it from a very logical perspective, you know, unfortunately, a lot of parents don't, Right. you know. They, they don't have the time, the effort, the energy to do those things. You know, my dad was a movie guy. So he took me to the movies all day on Saturdays from 930 in the morning until freaking one o'clock in the morning. I was sitting in movie theaters, you know, <laughs> watching movies every Saturday. That's what we did. Right. Other friends of mine, you know, they went bike riding. You know, my, my one friend's dad, he had a motorcycle. The kid, my, my friend Kenny, had a BMX and they'd go out on trails You know, he'd follow his old man, you know, but you don't don't have that much anymore. You know, the, the, what should be is no longer. Now it's what I feel like. Right.
0: No, you're not wrong, but I definitely, I definitely think even, even if it's, even if it's like once a month or something, take take your kid to the park, take your kid fishing, take them for a swim. Like there's nothing going on in your life that you can't spare at least one hour a month I'll, I'll go that far. One hour a month devoted to your children and, and just getting them away from the routine, the regular everyday stuff. Am I wrong in this, Mike and, and JB, in any way, shape, or form?
2: No, no, I, have, agree. I agree. You have to get out of your comfort zone. That's so important. Sorry if I interrupted you, Mike. But no, and no especially problem. with your kids, that's so important. Giving them new experiences so they can open their eyes and broaden their horizons. What
3: are, what are parents supposed to do? Again, and I say that not being a parent, but somebody who meant, has mentored kids, has shared things with kids to help them with issues, problems, and everything else. And I see a lot of it is time rewarding for me, but not time rewarding for the parent. They're kind of like, all right, what time are we getting out of this? You know, and, and I wish that more parents would kind of understand Teaching a child good things, the right things, the fun things that needs to be a part of the growing up process because they need to have it in their head as they get older so then they can do the same thing with theirs. Mine took me to the movies. That's what we did. I mean, of course, he took me to New York for my auditions and all that stuff. That's the extent. My father wasn't a fisherman. My father wasn't, we go out to the trails. We wasn't, we do anything. Zero, you know, but at least it was something. Right. You know, and I don't and I don't say he's a bad guy for that, you know, but I saw my other friends, what they did with their folks. And I was kind of like, hey, you know, I mean, I see it now with friends of mine who who grew up the same way I did. And they're taking their kids on vacations and they're going here and they're going boating and they're doing this. And I missed that. I didn't have any of that shit. I'm like, damn. <laughs> you know, but mine was different. You know, it doesn't mean I, I don't envy a whole lot of them.
0: I think, I think you hit the nail right on the head with some of the people, like you said, that, that you watched from, from a third party view, is that a lot of people are, are trying to get, at a lot of parents, and it bothers me being a divorced father who, who's dealing with the, you know, the, the, the family court system, and I know the family court system looks at fathers primarily as sperm donors, and it bothers me because when parents act like sperm donors, like all I did was create a child, now, you know, go leave me alone, kid, you bother me. That bothers the shit out of me. Look, okay, I'm nobody special in this world. I, I'm far be it anywhere from a celebrity in any way, shape, or form. Yeah, but I was a musician. I was a professional wrestler. I've had my time in the spotlight. And I can tell you right now, out of all the years of music and all the years of wrestling, my time in the service, there is nothing on this planet that has been more important to me or, or has been more special to me than being called dad. I can't imagine anything on this planet being more important to me than my children and spending time with my children and building those memories with my children and hopefully having my children pass that on to their children, you know, in in, in the time to come, as you said before, you know, become creatures of habit. We grew up this way. We give it to our family. I grew up without a dad. My mother was in the military and was always away. I was raised by my grandparents who were too old to do shit with me. I get it. I understand that. And I didn't want that life for my kids. And I just, I couldn't imagine a world where I was just too busy to give an hour to my children. An hour.
3: People just do not think the way they used to. The days of Andy Griffith are gone. The days of happy days are gone. We don't live like that anymore. We could if people would instill the same things to their children that they learned from whomever. Respect, kindness, love of mankind. You know, there are, there are no, uh, I don't wanna say it. There are idiots, you know, that we have in our country. Are they bad people? Not necessarily. If you give someone respect and they give it back to you, okay, fine. They don't give you respect, you don't give them respect. That's how the game is played. But you have to teach, especially the youth, respect your elders. Mm -hmm. Respect the fact that people were here before you, you know. I mean, as an actor in show business, I mean, it is what it is, you know. But I look back and I go, oh, my God, you know, Gary Cooper, Humphrey Bogart, James Cagney, you know. John Wayne, James Dean, but Marilyn Monroe, whoever they did it, They were all here before me and they're all gone. And now we're here and we have Tom Hanks and Denzel Washington and Mel Brooks is still here. God bless him. I love him. You know, but at some point they're not going to be, then it's the next older generation, which I will be a part of, you know, but we're not the first and we ain't going to be the last, you know, but you have to respect the people that are older than you are. You know, and yes, respect law enforcement and police. I am monstrously in favor of that as well. Oh, of course. You know, that's how I grew up. the The chief of the local police used to come to my father's house to play poker on Monday nights. <laughs> you know, I knew who this man was. You know, you didn't mess around with him. You know, we had a guy from the New York, uh, New Jersey State Police Force who became like one of the top lieutenants in the New Jersey State Police. Play poker at my father's house. I respected these gentlemen. Right. You know.
0: I teach my children You've lost them. that I teach my children to that. go to a convenience store or something like that and we see a cop there I always tell them go up shake their hand and say thank you
3: always always and, and oh if I'm if I'm there and they're in front of me online at 711 or at a Burger King or whatever I go what well, how much is there I got it guys I'll take care of it for you oh no no you don't have to yes I do you take care of our community I just want to say thank you that's all
0: and that's it you know Done and many uh, times and for anybody who wants to try to claim that I'm full of shit about like what I mean about my children, understand I've been sitting here this whole entire podcast right over. now, right now, this whole entire podcast with a Valley AA baseball hat, uh, cap on my hat, come on my head. That is my children's little league team. <laughs> 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 they play for Valley AA out in uh, Ben Salem. Pa, uh, they didn't do it this year, obviously, because of COVID and all that. But my kid has been playing little. My son has been playing little league for him for about four years now, and my daughter only did one year, but she did one year of softball. And that's why I wear the Valley hats. I don't even live in Ben Salem. I just support my kids and their team. So yeah, you're wrong. I'm literally wearing something that is representation of my kids while I'm on a show right now.
1: So. <laughs> well, Scotty was just holding up a USA hat, it looked like, I think. Yes, he was. Say something, Scotty, so you'll come on. <laughs> it was
3: my USA hat. I wear it all the time. Yep. Now, of course, some people might not like that or like that, but oh, well. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, gang, we've uh, we've hit an hour and 24 minutes. Maybe we should wrap it up or – Oh, what?
0: absolutely. Uh, so, so, the overall consensus is uh, we probably couldn't get that film unless uh, unless somebody was willing to 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 break the 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 political cultural nightmare of the world and, and just go out and put out a fun flick. Overall, uh,
3: how, can you, how can you do Porky's today? How can you do Sixteen <laughs> Candles? How can you Weird Science? You oh, know, I, how can you do these things? What are you doing? Oh, I'm making a woman. Yeah. Are you crazy? You know, oh, you chauvinistic bastard. No, we're just making a fun movie. Oh, no, it's chauvinistic. You got kids that want sexy women. Oh, Christ. What? Oh, my God. You know, 2000 okay. years, we made it doing this nonsense. And now all of a sudden it's, uh, you know, nothing is right. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so, guys, why don't you go ahead and take a turn around the table and tell everybody where they can find you. And, of course, your podcast, if you are a podcaster or in general, just so they can get in, con- our fans can get in contact with you, check out your stuff, and uh, go from there.
3: got it, Mike.
1: Well, uh, podcast in a city like yours, and Scott H Silverman's Happy Hour. I'm on social media at Michael Glenn Moore.
2: JB, JB. So you can reach me on Facebook, JB Ellis, uh, on Twitter, JB underscore the program. Uh, you can listen to the program wherever you listen to podcasts or the Believe Network. And Journey with the Is anywhere you listen to podcasts or YouTube.
3: Excellent. And Mr. Scotty Schwartz. And you can find me on Facebook at Scott Schwartz Actor. That's my professional page, I guess, or whatever it is, my, my public page. And you can just follow me and like me. JB, I'm gonna, definitely going to send you a friend's request. I, I would love to do your show just because definitely. I'm a sports guy. And I, we, we could have, have great stories and have a great time. And you know, But Scott Schwartz Actor is where you find me on social media. Chris, take us off, brother.
0: Absolutely. Well, before I give my little uh, my little outro, let me just go ahead and give a thanks to our publicist, uh, which is involved with SJ Promotions and SJ Network, Mr. Stephen Joyner. Guys, if you are interested in a publicist, or if you're interested in having your podcast represented by a public uh, publicist, or doing like we do, where we get to sit down with people like Scotty Schwartz and have them on our shows, please contact Mr. Steve Joyner at cell phone number. 816 605 4561. I can't read the small print. Great, great glasses. Or email him at stevejnetwork at gmail.com. And of course, you could always find him at s j network.com. That is s j network.com. And, of course, guys, if you enjoyed what you see here and you want to see more, hit that thumbs-up button, like, share, comment, subscribe. Uh, here on the Realm of the Mist Entertainment Network YouTube channel, check out the uh, podcast of Breaking the Fourth Wall, both our weekly show and our podcast interviews, which drop pretty much multiple times a week. And, of course, if you prefer your podcast in audio-only format, we got you covered. Just check out Realm of the Mist Entertainment on Anchor.fm, Apple iTunes, Spotify, Pandora iHeartRadio or wherever quality podcasts can be heard. Again, I want to thank the panel. Next uh, Coast to Coast Power Hour, Mr. Michael Moore will be hosting, so he'll be picking the topic of conversation. I definitely want to thank JB for coming on. I hope he had a blast and will uh, join us again. And, of course, to the Mr. Scott Schwartz himself. This time we didn't ask you to lick any poles, but I very much enjoyed having you
1: on. <laughs> yes, yeah, very thank you so much.
0: And guys, we will catch you on the next Coast to Coast Power Hour. Have a good night.
1: Hey, what's up? This is Christopher
0: Stolle of Realm of the Mist Entertainment. The podcast you are listening to is part of the SJ Network. Go to sj network.com that's s-j-network.com for more great podcasts and information on those shows as well as information and ability to contact publicist steve joiner for more information just go to the website and check out the family ladies and gentlemen until then enjoy the show